Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. Hey, so I got to tell you, yesterday, um, yesterday morning, I was with my friend uh, William Nichols sitting right over here, and he and I had an appointment uh, in the morning right as the, as the snowstorm uh, started, and I was glad to see snow. I'm one of these guys, I wish there was three feet of it out there, honestly. It, it's, it's been a while, but uh, when you drive uh, an old Toyota 4Runner, you want snow, right? So we, Will and I were actually in the 4Runner, and we were driving out in it. It just started. There was about an inch, maybe inch and a half on the road. We were in Hanover. We had, I had to take Will back to his house and drop him off uh, in Spring Grove. And the roads were getting pretty covered. We were on Mousetown Road. I don't know if you know Mousetown Road, but it's a, it's a windy, hilly, uh, crazy Pennsylvania road um, that uh, is the opposite of 116. They both take you to the same places, but, um, but we were actually on the windy, hilly Mousetown Road right out here. And uh, the conditions weren't great, but we were having fun driving in them. Do you know, like, kind of right over the valley here, when uh, Mousetown Road, if you're coming fr- uh, from Hanover going, towards the, the Spring Grove, there's a, a really uh, kind of um, stiff turn, and you can hang a, a sharp right and go up to like Christ American Baptist Church, I forget the name of that road, or you can kind of make this turn and kind of go down into Mangus Mills, you know what I'm talking about? Well, what we found is as, as we were driving down through that, we were doing fine, but many other cars were not. And what was happening is cars that were coming from Hanover going towards Spring Grove were taking the turn too fast, and they were crashing into the trees. Other cars were coming up uh, from Spring Grove going towards Hanover, and they weren't making the hill, and they were sliding into the ditch. Other cars that were stopping at the stop sign on that other uh, nameless road at CABC, they were trying to stop at the stop sign, but sliding into the other cars that were in the ditch and in the trees. And it was crazy. And so, so Will and I saw all this going. We, we maneuvered through it. We looked at all these people that were in ditches, looking terrified, spinning their wheels. And, uh, and, and we were just, we just kind of blasted right through all of that. Uh, it was interesting to know that 80% of the vehicles that didn't make it were minivans. All right. I'm sorry to tell you this, but they were, and, uh, and a lot of Hyundais. I don't know why, but it was Hyundais and minivans. All right. So, so all these, we get through that, and Will and I both look at each other, and we're like, we're not okay with driving past these people and doing nothing. Anybody? It's a, it's a, uh, it's one mentality is, hey, we made it. Our responsibility is to take care of ourselves. Those people's responsibility is to take care of them. They can make their own calls. But Will and I couldn't go, so what we did is we turned in somebody's driveway, and we turned around, and we got right in the mess. And I tell you, it got messier and messier. It got so messy that I had to get in my vehicle. I had to park it way down the street because cars were flying everywhere. The cops weren't there. Will started jumping in in crying ladies' vehicles and driving them out of ditches while I was playing the police, and I was waving down cars, and I was telling them, hey, we're going to set up a perimeter here. I don't know what that means, but I'm saying we're going to set up a perimeter here. I want you to put your flashers on. I want you to turn around this space. And we're going to go, go back that way. I'm like, let's move people, all right? So I am directing traffic. Will is driving other people's cars. Uh, people are on phones and stuff. And, and the weird thing is, I was dressed in all black with a black beanie. Will told me, you look like a burglar, all right? So I was like, okay. And then uh, if I was like, Will, you're one to talk. You either look, you look like a mix between the, one of the original disciples and a pirate, all right? So like both of us were here. We got the burglar, the pirate and stuff, and we have taken over the scene and we're helping a whole lot of people. We got people out of ditches. I tell you what, 
you don't get a bigger heart than Will Nichols right over there, I tell you. He's, jump, he's helping. We got back in, in the vehicle, and we started talking about this. Number one, Google uh, rerouted us, so we never would have been on that street had we not been following the wrong directions, all right? So can people give an amen to God being bigger than even Google, all right? Say, yep. The other thing is... We stopped, and we were, starting, we were starting to wonder, had we not been impacted, like when you see need and you love Jesus, uh, the, it's, it's time to stop, right? And so had we not stopped, we were just wondering, did we save lives today? Did, what, what would have happened had we not been there? And I really believe, you know, we were just talking about what God's doing in a generation. And man, do you see what's on Philip, Pastor Philip's life? What's in his heart for a generation? Uh, all the wonderful things that God's been doing at Providence. But I really believe that the season that we're in is we're in a season where it is our moment to begin to stop when we see need, not just to feel bad, not just to commiserate, not just to toss in our two cents from the fringes and from the margins of society, but it's our time to start getting right in the mess and start being there with all the crashes and all the carnage. This is what the church is called to do. It's what we must start, do, start doing more. We have to talk less, act more. We have to do something, and that is what God's called us to do in these days. Um, I mean, I thought I'd get an amen out of that. I thought that was some good preaching. Uh, but uh, anyway, I guess you didn't think. Here, so here's what I'm, here's what I'm saying. Um, I just want to give you my, my wholehearted encouragement that as Generosity Sunday is coming up on the 21st, just in a few weeks, it is not our time to talk about what should happen in the world. It is our time to begin to partner with it, guys. To, uh, imagine if we don't do a Generosity Sunday and we don't raise zillions of dollars, speaking in faith here, what might happen if we don't? All right, God's put something on the church. He's put urgency in our hearts. He's saying, I want you to see need, and I want you to be there. And so I am excited, guys. And these, some of us, our first step needs to be baptism Sunday on the 28th. You just need to say, I'm getting in on this thing. I need to proclaim my faith in Jesus to everybody. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of Christ. So there are some very, very important things coming up in these days, guys, that I want to encourage you to listen, at least pray about. If you've never been baptized, would, would you consider following Jesus and operating uh, in obedience? And generosity is sun, uh, uh, Sunday is coming. Generosity is not a dollar amount. It's, it's a heart posture. What does it look like for you? I, God wants to tell you that. And I'm excited. But I'm really excited to keep changing the world with you guys um, and, uh, and, and being Jesus to all kinds of different people, no matter how messy it gets. Anybody with me on that? All right, good. <laughs> so, um, hey, so this morning, as I was praying about what do we do on the very first Sunday in 2024, um, I really believe that God wants us to remember Jesus' blood and take communion. All right? So we're going to be doing that in just a few moments. And I want to take advantage of this time to brag on Jesus and all that he's done, but also the significance of the blood of Jesus. I just want to take a few moments for us to say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to grab onto that, and I want to fall more madly in love with Jesus because of his blood. I, I, want, just, I want to taste more the significance of the cross 
more this morning. And so, so I want us to open our Bibles here to a bunch of different places. We're going to look at the blood of Jesus, and I'm just going to fire out some truths that I hope that we just feast on uh, this morning that's going to help us see what God is like and who, uh, who he is. And here's the first thing. is we Before we take communion, we have to realize that Jesus is our Passover lamb. So significant, guys. Jesus is our Passover lamb. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For Christ, for Christ, that's the Messiah, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. All right, so if you go to, uh, to the Old Testament and you read how when Israel was in bondage in Egypt and, and God set his people free, he did it by the sacrifice of, of, a, of a lamb and over the doorpost and the, basically the archway, the, in, the entryway to, to Israel's homes. And whoever operated in faith and, and uh, sacrificed the lamb and used the blood to put over their doorway, uh, those people were passed over and no harm came to them. Them, and that is actually how God freed them and released them from bondage. And what that was doing then, though, is that was pointing not to uh, lambs, but the Lamb of God, slain for the sins of the whole world. And so the sacrifices in the Old Testament were not, pay, were not actually paying. They were pointing to the cross, when we celebrate this morning, uh, it's, Jesus isn't just one of the other sacrifices. He is the only sacrifice that actually counts. All other sacrifices since, uh, since the world began were pointing to the one that is Jesus on the cross. And so we're declaring this morning, Jesus, we recognize that you are our Passover lamb. You are the one actually releasing us from bondage. You are the one uh, saying no harm can come. This one is mine, all right? The Passover lamb. We're going to talk more about this in the days to come. But uh, this morning we're also declaring about the blood of Jesus that uh, your ransom price has been paid. You hear that? You, know, you have a price. There's a price on your life. And it's not a price that can be bought with silver or gold. It's a, a much more precious price has to be paid for you. You're very valuable. 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 and 19 says, you were ransomed. This is speaking to believers here. This is speaking to people who have put their faith in Jesus. You were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. All right, you hear that? You're way more valuable than that. But here's what you were ransomed with. Here's what you were purchased with. But with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So when we are taking communion this morning, we're remembering that the blood of Jesus is precious and it was poured out as your ransom price. In other words, it is what, so what, what bought you out of slavery and brought you into freedom. All right? All right. Listen to this one. You have been declared righteous. That's what the blood of Jesus does. Declares you righteous. Romans chapter 5 verse 9 says this. We have now been justified by his blood. Now the word justified there means declared righteous. So here's the beautiful thing. All right. The, the cross of Christ does not give you a clean slate and, uh, and a second chance to, to do better and try harder. 
All right? What receiving the, the free gift of, of the life of Jesus does, what happens when we're washed in the blood is we don't get a second chance to do better. We actually get washed and get justified. In other words, all the righteousness of Jesus gets transferred to your spiritual account. And when the Father looks on you, he sees you with the righteousness of his Son. Wow, guys, this is massive. So you have been declared righteous. As we take communion this morning, man, we just, we just magnify God for that. We need to get silly and happy saying, I am righteous. I have not offered God my own righteousness. I have received Christ's righteousness through the blood of Jesus. This is magnificent. All right? And then how about this one? You are redeemed. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, In him, that's Jesus, we have redemption Through his blood. Now, this is very good news because most of us have said, hey, God, I'd rather do life on my own. And we've run away and we've tried to do it and it hasn't worked. What God has done is he has come after us and then bought us back, brought us back. He's redeemed us. He said, I want you back. You left me, but, but I'm coming after you. I want you back. And it says, in him we have redemption through his blood. That's what the blood of Jesus does. How about this one? I love this one because the enemy loves to tell us, God doesn't want you. You're too far off. You could, you could, you've run too far to ever come back to God. Listen to this, though. The blood of Jesus says, you are now near. You were far off, but now you're near. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 says, but now Christ Jesus uh, you who, but, but now, I think, actually, I, I think I'd, I typed it wrong, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You see this? We were far off, but no longer. Because of the blood of Jesus, we've been brought near. That's what the blood does. Hey, and it's, we can get no closer than what the blood of Jesus has done for us. We're as near as it gets because of the blood of Jesus. Wow. And then, how about this one? The blood of Jesus says over your life that you are loved and you are free. As free as it gets and as loved as it gets. You are loved and free. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. You are loved. That's why God poured out his blood. And and you are free. That's what God's blood did for you. All right, you are loved and free, as loved as it gets, as free as it gets. Just when you're a good boy and you help people that are crashed on the road, God doesn't love you more. All right, when you're a bad boy and you don't help people on the road, God doesn't love you less. Come on, guys. You are just loved and loved and loved because of, uh, because of the, the blood and as free as it gets in God. And how about this one then, that you have peace with God. You have peace with God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. So peace doesn't happen as you kind of go on an on a introspective journey. Right? You don't just come to terms with God. Here's the one term, the blood of Jesus. That's it. All right, and that's man peace with God. Everything that you deserve, you you don't get. Everything Jesus deserves, you do get. You have peace with God. You don't get what you deserve. All right, 
You get what Jesus deserved. That's what happens through the blood of Christ all through faith. Now, um, there's, a whole bunch of, there's a whole bunch of facts. There's a whole bunch of terminolo- terminology, justification, nearness, all these different things, all these verses. But I want to tell you that the power of what we're about to do uh, in taking communion together, and this is why if you're, if you're at home, I just want you to go grab some, some juice and some bread or some crackers or something. Do this with your family if you're there. But it's so important that we do communion uh, not only on our own sometimes, but together as much as possible because here's a testimony. Here's the kind of thing that, that can happen. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Moravians. But the Moravians were a ragtag group of people from different denominational backgrounds. They were actually fleeing. Um, uh, they were fleeing their homes and fleeing their countries because of massive persecution that was breaking out. And there was a man named Count Zinzendorf who, uh, who was wealthy, and he had all of this land, and he basically made uh, his land available to people fleeing um, their, uh, their persecutors, right? This is persecution for, for, this is the church persecuting the church, all right? And so these people were fleeing. Zinzendorf said, hey, live here. I think it was called Hernhut. All right, live here, we're going to work it out together. Well, when you get, you get all different kinds of people that believe all different kinds of things from all different kinds of denominations, what was happening was a disunity that was unrivaled. I would even call this mass conflict. There was nonstop fighting and arguing, not, not the, the church with the world. This is the church with the church. Happens all the time. The enemy loves it. The enemy loves to get the church angry at brothers and sisters, all right? So what was happening? They couldn't figure things out. And so, um, so Zinzendorf, um, he hosts this communion service, okay? And they gathered on August 13th, 1727, and they gathered and they took communion together. And what happened is they got a, they got a vision. A, it was a, a mass vision. It's not like one person got this vision and, and shared it with everybody. The whole group got a vision of the Lamb of God slain for the world. And they were all broken. They began to weep and they began to love each other. And it was poured, it was poured out. They actually, uh, the historians or church historians call this, it was a second Pentecost. It's like God just poured out his heart and his grace through communion together. Not just communion on our own. Like people started looking at each other with the eyes of Jesus and loving each other because of the lamb, not because of their disagreements on other little minor minuscule things. All right, And so there was one poet among this group that was at the service, and he tried to capture this with some poetry here. This is, this is from 1727, so I'm going to do my best to read it. Uh, very Shakespearean-like, uh, but uh, just uh, deal with me. But listen to this. This, this, was, this was a poem that came out of the second Pentecost with the Moravians because of just a sin- There was no sound systems. There was no electricity. It was, just, it was just communion looking at the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus. The gospel, friends. The gospel, all right? And so this, this poet said it this way. He says, They walked with God and peace and love, but failed with one another. While sternly for the faith they strove, brother fell out with brother. B- but he in whom they put their trust, who knew their frames that they were dust, pitied and healed their weakness. He found them in his house of prayer with one accord assembled and so revealed his presence there they wept for joy and trembled. One cup they drank, 
One bread they break, one baptism shared, one language spake, forgiving and forgiven. Then forth they went with tongues of flame, and one blessed theme, delighting. Here, here's that theme. I love this. The love of Jesus and his name. God's children all uniting. The love, our theme, and watchword still. The law of love may we fulfill and love as we are loved. So guys, I want to tell you this. What, what happened because of a communion service and people getting over petty differences because of the gospel of Jesus, what happened then was a 100-year prayer movement that prayer and worship did not stop for 100 years straight. And then, then the Moravians would, were, were raising up their children. Like, talk about a generation. They're tra- raising up their children just to go to the nations. And when they heard about something that was happening in the nations that was anti-kingdom, when they heard that there, that there was uh, there, uh, slavery in St. Lucia, what these Moravians did is they sold themselves in, into slavery in St. Lucia so they could win for Christ the rewards of his suffering, those, those slaves being sold in, uh, in the islands. These people, would just, they were radical. And I'm telling you guys, it, if they didn't get, get it together, and if they didn't rally around the cross, and specifically the blood of Jesus, it just wouldn't have happened. Now is our time to get over grievances, and the way that it happens is not telling ourselves to do better. The way that it happens is, is the only thing powerful enough to do it is the blood of Jesus. This is how we have to start this year. You like? Guys, Good. So this morning, I want to, you know, I, I, Caleb, I'm glad you're here because you're, uh, yeah, but the, this, this morning, guys, I, I want, I want uh, uh, what I'm asking for is that the Holy Spirit would just blow on our hearts again and revive us and wake us up and that we would be woken up to the blood of Jesus. Do you know that there was one time that you were darkness, Christian, but now you're light in the Lord? <laughs> You've always been loved, but it's, it's one thing to love someone outside of your family. You, you were outside looking in, still love, but outside looking in. Now you're adopted and you belong. You're close to your father. Like, this is what? And here's the beautiful thing. You did not deserve it. This does not show your, your, uh, what you deserve. This, this shows the grace and the mercy and the magnificence of God here. And so this morning, I, I, don't, uh, I don't know where the elements are, but we're going to need them because I'm about to call you to the table. Um, but uh, um, this is going to be a problem, you know, if we don't have elements here. So uh, I'm going to give some guys some time here. But I've been trying to talk a lot. I've been, I've been done for 20 minutes, honestly. I've been, I'm waiting for the elements here to come in here, but they're not. Uh, but uh, here, So here's what I want you to do while we're waiting for these, these elements to come in. I want to tell you that this, uh, this is not actual blood. It's not actual wine. Um, we've got little, little crackers and grape juice. But what it signifies is what we just talked about here this morning. It signifies the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus. Do you know in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, it says, this is Paul. He says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same, in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
So this morning, friends, I want to invite you to the table, but I want you to take the elements, the body and the blood, and I want you to take them back to your seat. And maybe if you're here with a family member or something or with the family, uh, you guys can just pray and say, Jesus, just a whole new revelation of who you are, a whole new revelation of, of your body and your blood this morning. So I want to ask you to, uh, to do that. And then when we've all uh, taken the elements back to our seat, let's just all take it together. And let's say, man, how about like a third Pentecost this morning? Right, God, would you just open up our hearts to see what you've done? So, guys, I invite you to the table right now. Let's come. We've got all kinds of tables here. Come in one way, go out the other, and I invite you to the table right now. Come spend a few moments with the Lord. It's a great time as well to just release, release pain, release unforgiveness. Make sure that your heart is right with every single person that you can think of. And let's just come remember the Lord this morning. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.